HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. Learn about the wonderfully tart Montmorency cherry at choosecherries.com. This week's Meet and 3 is all about food branding and identity in 2020. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Everybody has some Goya product in their pantry, so obviously the biggest kind of loss from all of this is the students really working with a brand that they're very comfortable with, that they're very familiar with. I'll be honest, I was completely floored. I was very surprised that a company, especially in the current climate, would backtrack out of a commitment to address issues of racism. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Processing, a show about the intersection of food and grief with your hosts, Zara Tangora and Bobby Comporto. That was my Bobby impression. Um... I've been working on it for 36 years, but I feel like it might still need a, a little bit of tinkering. Um, hi, everyone. How are you? Hope that you're all hanging in there. Um, these are, I don't know if anyone noticed, but these are strange times. Um, today on the show, we are joined by Jasmine Michelle. Uh, Jasmine is a chef and a writer and an amazing human. Uh, Jasmine and I connected years ago um when i was starting a going to start a blog a blog remember that back in the day a blog that really dates me this was only four or five years ago but um with some friends and um jasmine and i connected she had wanted to submit some of her amazing writing and uh we just kind of like stayed in contact via social media which is maybe the only useful part of social media is getting to meet cool people who you might have not otherwise met. Um, and I'm so glad that we did because she's truly like, a. I mean, I say this all the time, a, a bright ray of light, but I feel like there's no other way to describe a lot of our guests. Um, and Jasmine is, shares that with everyone else that we've had on the show, just like a really, just a breath of fresh air, a good human. Um, and the couple conversations that we've had over the years have left me with just like, I don't know, when you, sometimes you talk to someone and you get their perspective and you just feel kind of floored by them and their, their candor and their demeanor and their, just their way of being. And that's how I feel about Jasmine. So I'm really impressed and in awe of her. And um, 
just happy to know her. And she came on to talk with us about uh, just different parts of her life and growing up in her relationship with food, her relationship with her um, religion and Muslim heritage growing up and her family. And more recently about um, a really out of the blue, crazy fire that happened and which her partner was badly, badly burned and how Jasmine and her partner have been coping um, with everything that's going on in the world in addition to this new terrible thing that happened. Luckily, uh, Jasmine's partner is healing well and fine, um, but it's been a really tough time for them. So we're so honored to have Jasmine on the show. Love talking to her. It was such a blast and such a wonderful, like beautiful, deep chat. Uh, as as they all are, but they're all special and unique. So, again, hope hope y'all are hanging in there, and please check out Jasmine um, on Instagram at Dreamboat Cafe. And you check out this really cool space that she has been operating in North Carolina, um, hosting pop ups, um, but more, so much more. But definitely check out what she's doing, and we hope you enjoy the episode as much as we did. Thanks. Bye. talking with the lovely and amazing jasmine michelle jasmine hi hi how are you jasmine's joining us from uh, durham north carolina yes yeah i am i am we're, i'm really excited yeah we're psyched to have you and we were just saying uh before the show started that we were you know this is such a great opportunity to be able to talk with people who might have not otherwise been able to join us because they're out of state or some in some cases out of the country so you and i connected years ago on instagram because i was starting a a blog and we were talking about having you write for it and it's been so cool that's like one of the good things about social media one of the few good things about social media is being able to connect with folks is that that, connectiveness yeah yeah. that's crazy it was so long ago and and i feel like both of us have evolved into uh, a million one different projects in like the best way possible I think so too. So, you know, let's start there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what kind of projects have you evolved into over the past four years since we first kind of connected? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I transitioned out of the pastry kitchen, which was a really big, that was a really big thing because I went into, um, like the food industry being a pastry cook. And then I slowly, uh, transitioned into farming and food justice and and then I transitioned fully into a farm to table chef and kind of the whole um kitchen and um and I think from there I think the I have a tendency and, and for a while I thought that it was a bad thing but I am a person that I really like micro projects like I like mm. doing things season by season I like I like and, and and the commitment of doing something for years at a time is extremely daunting to me and That's so funny. and so um I feel like that catapulted me into different seasons of um, working in the kitchen and farming and that kind of took me all over the place and then I kind of found a home um, in Hawaii for a little bit and then I started up Dreamboat and it was just my own platform of of a dining series and pop-up food 
projects that that I was able to give my own intentions to and my own um, productivity and my own um, themes that I felt was important in in the food industry. Oh, that sounds so interesting. Could you explain what one one kind of project might be like that you had done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It started off with just doing, I really just wanted to do pop-up dinners, but um, with Dreamboat, I, I wanted to, I wanted it to be everything I, I feel like in the food industry is told that isn't standard. Like uh, the way that I was raised with island foods and Indian foods and, and Caribbean foods, you know, when I went into the food industry and started working on the line and stuff, a lot of it was not, um, a lot of it was not, um, the standard, the Eurocentric standard that runs yeah. the industry. And mm. I told myself that Dreamboat was going to be everything that raised me. And I really wanted mm. to do dinners that were surrounded by kind of the Caribbean and island and uh, Muslim uh, pantry and palate. Uh, mm. And I, and that was kind of the first ones. It was taking things that I was raised with and, and um, either doing it at, at a farmer's market or um, doing pop-up dinners, and pop-up dinners were definitely the first ones, and it's the main thing that that Dreamboat is. Um, And it's really cool, it's really cool to think about being raised in Miami and doing a pop-up dinner surrounded by that. And and I tried to intersect it with something that is like palatable and healing, like some sort of nostalgic art or movie or something, but also um, simultaneously breathe in some sort of political issue or or social injustice so that wow i don't know we're having like a very full well-rounded connected conversation that's kind of intersecting food and stuff and totally yeah that's amazing that's, it's really it's incredible and you know you say micro project and i understand what you mean but also that's like right? such a <laughs> ma- like a macro project in a way and so like all-encompassing yeah so I'm curious, where where did this all begin, right? So I, if you could just tell us a bit about, you know, your your heritage, your upbringing, where did your love of food come from? Like, just take us there because it's it's an interesting and compelling story. Yeah, um, I was raised in Miami, Florida, and my mom is from Guyana and my dad is from Haiti, mm. and uh, we're we're a Muslim family. We we're born Muslim, so there is a big intersection of what food looked like. It was very island, it was very Miami, it was very... Miami is infamous for being its own little country of, of other little countries. And so um, your dinners are a little bit of your homeland, but it's also a little bit of somebody else's homeland. So right. um, I was very fortunate in that way to be able to have you know that variety or that diversity growing up. Um, but my whole life is food. My family's whole life is food. When we are eating, we our discussion is what are we going to eat next? Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> and um, it's cool that I now get to share that in a partner with my partner because they are exactly the same way. And I'm like, oh, good. You're, we're 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 uh, connecting on that level. Totally. Of, it's um, important, right? Like when you right? <laughs> when you love food, and then you like I've dated people who also love food and I've dated people who like are not really on that level and you can make excuses for it be like oh it's not the most but really it's a (laughs) when it's a deep thing for you it is really when you find someone who shares that it feels different right it's very it's very deep I mean we were having dinner the other night and they just mentioned so what are we gonna have for dinner and I was just like oh what this is oh (laughs) 
It's usually me that's saying that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's ba- that's that's my whole family is surrounded by food and um growing up, it's weird because it's this very um hetero, very sexist kind of conditioning that um that lured me into my love for food and the food industry because yeah. I was raised the women in my family um are raised to be a wife and to be a mother and to take care of the men and children and that was my contribution it was always what can I do to help in the kitchen being as young as I was that was my only contribution and um it was part of the conditioning as to <clears throat> what is a good muslim woman what does a good west indian mm. uh muslim woman look like and it is definitely to be a a caterer to the to the men and the children in your life and totally and um and that education is like it's 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 right there if not a little bit above of my education of an institution of going to a culinary school because it's just so embedded in me and um and um but also food was also my ticket away from that conditioning if that makes sense um yeah. it was a way for me to find my own tradition and and to travel and to see the same structures uh differently in different parts of the world in different parts of you know different lands and things and yeah. and um and uh i ended up doing a lot of seasons in new england and oh, wow. um and i ended up always putting myself in situation where i was always the token person of color right. and at well, first it was kind of funny sure. and it was it was you know it's always comedic and humorous in a way but after like the 10th place you're going to for a season which my place was an island off the coast of maine which was such a beautiful experience every experience is beautiful but it ended up being the most draining my spirit had felt and yeah. i just was not feeling okay and i just I was tired of being, being that, I don't know. I was just very tired of, um, well, it's a big, it's a big ask, I would assume, right? It's a big, it's a big ask that I think white people don't realize and don't push themselves to realize or think about what an ask that is for, to have someone be the token, like the token, person of color in a situation and you know you know whether it's even well intended as oh I would like to like learn from you or your culture you right. know it's it's a lot of taking and not a lot of giving back on the part of like the white folks who are surrounding you I would think is that accurate at all it is it is and it's it it and more than anything it really is funny because after a while you really are this person that many people come up to when you are in that situation and and it's just very comical things like I don't know. The shit that's been told to me is really funny. <laughs> it's really, really funny. Like and what? Like, do you have anything? Like, it's oh. oh my gosh, yes. I mean, the first time I was in in Maine, um, one of the servers, I guess, was trying to be, you know, funny or not funny, but um, like you know, extend a bridge of communication or mm. or at least like show that they are woke in some type of way or or educated in that some type of way and um there's there's this huge in the main dining hall there's a huge um like armoire kind of cupboard and i forgot what it is now i mean but um 
there's a word for it and she said you know go get the spoons from such and such cupboard but there's a yeah. specific word for it that leaves me now right. and she looked at me and she's just like oh it's it's like an old white people thing like you won't know like, like it's <gasps> like an old rich white people thing and then in the <sighs> same breath she asked me if I um if she said that her sister really likes Solange's new album. Like in the no. new, in like in the same. No. <laughs> and it. it was just, it was just <laughs> in the same breath, and I was yeah. just like, "That's so much to take in." And it's, it's so it's so hilarious, and I know it's going to impact me probably negatively, but not not until I fully ingest it. Right now, it's just very funny. Right. Well, it's like you know, it's the defense mechanisms. I think that folks have to. You know, I notice it as, you know, oh, just as a woman, the things right, that men right. will say to me that make me terribly uncomfortable that then I have to process. I have to initially laugh because I'm not wanting to make them feel uncomfortable. It's such a right. You bear the burden of not wanting to make the other person uncomfortable uh, because, you know, in this situation, it sounds like their intention wasn't like horrifying but the but the, right. what they say it, it it does have an impact and so i th- i would imagine and i don't want to speak for you but i'm just interpreting what you're saying right. as being like it's a lot of fucking work all the time like to just <laughs> have to manage other people's fucking experience and and their uncomfortableness because they're you know what i mean is that accurate is it like no, the heavy lifting of that it's it's completely accurate and i think the only i think that I think what makes me think about its impact is, um, and not just on me, but I realize, and this is me segueing into another story, but in that same kitchen, there was, um, I was coming into the walk-in and, um, and one of the, one of the younger boys who was working on the line next to me, he was like 18 years old. He was extremely young. And he's just like, Jazz, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. And he's just like, do you like to be referred to as like a colored person or like I was just like what and it was just so random and, and that wasn't even it. it I was just like I'm a person of color I was just like you that's like some real 60s language saying a colored mm. person and I was just like yeah a person of color and I'm like why do you ask and it was because he said that I was referred to by the chef whose little youngest daughter was in the kitchen and I suppose somebody said give this to Jasmine and the Mm. youngest daughter of the chef was just like oh who's Jasmine and the chef said the black the black the black one and at first and when and when this young when this young guy who's one of the line cooks when he told me the story I was just like yeah it's fine and I went into the walk-in and I was just like yeah it's fine call me the black girl the black or the black person and then for some reason it just hit me in the walk-in and it, it was like I busted the door in like a bride on fire and I was just like, no, that's not okay. I was just yeah. like, dude, you get to be called by your name, the kid, your name with the baseball cap and everyone else gets to have that. But I'm like, this young child was just, was told that Jasmine is just the black person. And I'm like, God forbid, I don't know what she's gonna learn about black that's people common. that there is going to be associated with me. It's not going to be yeah. the way that I laugh or, or something that I say or, or my curly hair. Or, it's not going to be any of that. It's going to be the black person and anything else, this child who's going to absorb anything from the outside world is going to learn. And totally. it's just one of those weird, it's, you know, I don't have many of those experiences, thank God. More, most of them are just funny and then impacts you later. But yeah. that was one of the times where I was just like, wow, that 
that can actually change, you know, the degree. It was really it was a microcosm of the rest right. of the world, right? Right, 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 right. right. And incredibly reductive. Uh, yeah. To, to, <laughs> at the at at its best, reductive. And you yeah. know what I mean. And yeah, yeah. it's. So I want to um, just kind of circle back just for a minute to what we were talking about earlier because you made some such interesting points when describing uh, your heritage and growing up. And I just have a question about like, you know, you're talking about growing up with like strong Muslim traditions and at the same time not favoring like these really intense patriarchal ideals. Um, mm-hmm. And yet those in some way being entwined with food like feeding the husband feeding Mm -hmm. the man is that am i am i hearing that correctly okay so how do you how do you uh untangle those things and still be able to like you know what i mean like what was it for you what gave you that mm, ability passion knowledge like fortitude like what were the things that like really were the fork in the road there untangling the patriarch values of of uh, your heritage and your love for food um it's it's weird i think i think it's a process that i still am in and i think i'm going to be in it for a while until you know it's until you completely undo any unhealthy almost traumatic conditioning that you went through as a kid I realized that's just with you forever you're gonna have to it's a conscious choice that you're gonna have to make I realized but um uh it it got to a point where it was either I had to choose what I had to choose uh myself being made up by something else or or choosing my own life and and um and how that how did that look and it looked very queer it looked very intersected it looked very spiritual and i am also very fortunate to have two parents that um we are extremely traditional but my parents are like the quote unquote liberal people of the bunch who okay. who who are not who are not the um kind of stereotypical very strict um, well, on the scale of like very strict parents, you kind of have, you know, very strict, dangerous parents. And my family was kind of like in the middle of, you know, we're strict, right. very strict, but not that strict kind of right. thing. Um, and so I had a very liberal mom and 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 a, and a mother who was very opinionated and liked to wear her makeup and liked to wear her pencil skirts. And nobody mm-hmm. can tell her how to do certain things and wear certain things and speak in a certain way. And so she she serves as an example for that because I feel like I'm very much like that now. But also she is a woman who, um, you know, holds religion very, uh, you know, the the tell-all, be-all of something. And my dad was the person who converted and he's extremely spiritual and he's very into being metaphysical. And so um, I, I'm very fortunate to have had a wacky balance of, of religion and spirituality and, and being able to kind of see that they were both th- this blurred line and, and that I was able to flow into my own um, kind of decorum and my own uh, tradition, which I'm yeah. still discovering now. Yeah. Can I address something that you said before? You know, you yeah. were kind of talking about interjects, which means that children growing up take in whole things that they hear both from their family from their religion from their culture from their society you know 
Mm-hmm. And then as we get older, we have this chance to look at it and say, is this right for me? Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. And then we have this chance to kind of like spit out some of it, take in some mm-hmm. of it. But you're right. It lasts forever in a way. Some of those things are so internalized and it really requires us to be mindful and notice when those negative beliefs come up and say, that's not true. That's not me. You know, mm-hmm. so it'll still pass by our thinking, but it's not something we're going to believe anymore. But it's a hard job. It's what we have to do. And most of the family ones we're familiar with, like anybody that's been in therapy, they know we have to deal with things they learned in their family that weren't true about themselves and things that they interpreted that weren't true. So I think you made a really good point. I I think so, too. And, you know, it's uh, a a term that a lot of us uh, are using more and you're hearing more in kind of the common uh, conversations nowadays is like unlearning, right? And ja- Jasmine, <laughs> you had mentioned that just in your kind of pre-interview um, chat that we had. But I think a personal, and I think people have been referring to that largely as a cultural, you know, unlearning. But mm-hmm. like, I guess personal unlearning too. It's like the unlearning Familial, of our fa- own family. Yeah, like you know the mm-hmm. own the things that have happened in our own lives. And does that feel <clears throat> accurate? Yeah, that I, that feels completely accurate. It's it's funny because it's now when I um, when I'm making conscious dis- decisions in my life, whether it be um, my relationship or my business or my home, I, I feel like I'm always in conversation of because because I am a lover of tradition. I, I, I love tradition to the point where I will call it out and um, and see that there were many, um, many. Uh, many things that didn't serve as something healthy and sometimes mm-hmm. I sit and and again this is a discussion that I have with my partner too I think I'm just like whoa like I can't believe I was told that or I can't believe this is yeah. what I learned and and mm-hmm. and and we like swap stories of how how um how things could truly fuck somebody up totally. and 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 carrying that into your adulthood and and realizing the work you know, you did all that work when you were younger to listen and to behave and to follow. And then you realize like, oh man, did I, I used all that time and I'm here <laughs> with like this zero degree platform. And now I have to now, you know, backtrack and unlearn a lot and carry through and preserve a lot at the same time. Totally. Right. Uh, what are some of the, so I'm just curious about like, actually like the specifics are like, what were some of the foods that you grew up loving and eating that were like really specific to, you know, your culture, but also just your household and your family? Oh my gosh. Um, well, Guyanese food is a tie between, um, uh, Indian food and, um, Caribbean food just because Mm -hmm. Guyana was ruled by the British. And so, um, and majority of the immigrants came from India and Africa and um so lots of curries like a million and one different curries in the same way but but also i realize in both my mom and my dad's countries um and many other countries the humble like starch the the potato the yuca the the you know the cassava the boniato like all of those um are definitely the staples of my the plantain are definitely Yum. staples of of my upbringing and mm. um and curry and roti and rice and um that's more so Guyanese food and then my dad's side is lots of stewed chickens and beans lots of beans Haitian uh, Haitian mm. the Haitian diet is just like beans 
on beans Ooh. on beans. <laughs> like how? Like how prepared? How? Like stewed it's, it's, beans? It's stewed. Or? It's 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 stewed. It's um, with with uh, with like fried fish. There'll be like a sauce <gasps> of it. You. It's there's. There's sauce which is making a sauce out of beans, or you could put beans in the damn stew. There's literally like four staples of like Haitian food, and they, the way that it's all intersected into a billion and one different recipes, it's insane. But um, definitely lots of fried fish on on the uh, Haitian side and fried plantains. And I realized like, God damn, we fry the hell out of anything. We fry anything. We just, we're going to fry anything. Give us a leaf. We're going to fry it. Give us a rice. We're going to, we're going to fry it. What do you fry it in? What kind of oil? What kind of fat? Oh my gosh. We, I mean, vegetable oil for sure. But a lot of people mm-hmm. use the fats from, I mean, we weren't a family that ate pork, but a lot of people would like sear their pork and use that fat to fry mm. something else. Right, right, yum. And so, oh and God. also use that pork like after like any any bones or little bits would also go into um, making rice, which is after a while because there was a Haitian restaurant in Florida that we always we always got their beans and rice from, and we would just get beans and rice, and yeah. it was by far to this day the best beans and rice that I've ever had. And then come to we realized that they use like all the pork fat, all the pork oh, drippings, no. like anything. And we're like, damn, that's why it was so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm actually like really, really hungry right now. And I'm feeling like the full on like drooling about to happen. That sounds amazing. Um, so t- I want to talk a little bit about um, a kind of acute crisis that you're have been experiencing right now um that we chatted about a bit about the other yeah. day but so a couple of weeks ago about three weeks ago right you're there was a fire in your house <laughs> yes it's so it's so um it's so dramatic that it's almost comical that I almost yeah. there's a bit of a there's a bit of a a, a Oh, and I get to say it because we are safe and because the things right. that did burn were not of, of value or, or, you know what I mean? It was, it was yeah. easy to let go and, and, and all that. But I almost feel very like, like lavish, like, yes, there was a fire in the house <laughs> and things like things got out of hand and it sounds almost regal in some way, but yeah. <laughs> it was <That's> not. Funny. <laughs> in the West but, Wing of the home, there was a fire. In the West yeah. Wing of the home, a fire broke out and I just, I had to get my jewels. Um, but um but no there there was a fire that broke out in in, um in my room and um and my partner was unfortunately sleeping and had to wake up to it and and took it out and um while and then at the same time all of us at some point tried to take it out and they suffered second degree burns and it just threw such a monkey wrench into just yet another shitty thing that's happening in many in in you know the lives of, of 2020 and um and it's funny because yesterday last night it was one of the first nights that we actually had like a bit of silence and mm-hmm. you know their pain was controlled anxiety was controlled you know our, and and we started reflecting on it and we just started asking questions like and it's cute cuz my partner was just like you know um, you know, one of these days I want to tell you the story of the fire. And I'm like, you talking about the fire that happened two weeks ago? And it, because it <laughs> happened in two different perspectives. I was in the shower, wow. they were upstairs and, and we talked about it. And it was because we were finally comfortable because we didn't realize though it wasn't catastrophic, 
it 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 put a pattern into our daily routine you know now yeah. the mornings went from that fire waking up to a fire to now waking up to this blistering you know wounds that are feel like they're continuously on fire and yeah. and it and it was nice to reflect because it did throw a monkey wrench into things and we had to change up our roles and we had to um change up things with my with uh my business with dreamboat and um and it also forced us i think situations like that it also forces you to just stop and chill and and i always say um because i i come from a family of caregivers and caregiving is something that i really love to do i yeah. it's something that i i take a lot of um pleasure in and um i love anything that gives you an excuse to like stop relax or eat food or needing to rest or take mm-hmm. a nap and so it was really nice to have an unfortunate situation push us into that kind of schedule right. despite the pain and 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 the trauma that's kind of laced in it right you make you, the best of pulling back and, and right being together right. Right. yeah jasmine you had talked to me last week about some of the feelings associated with with what happened with your partner and their burns um as and and the care and like even though you had mentioned even then that caretaking was something you were you know that you liked and you were it mm-hmm. made you feel good but um also that it's it's been hard for you yeah. in a lot of ways can you talk to us a little bit about how it's been and you know and also i mean we actually talked about how it's been a grieving like a process of grief in a lot of ways i think in connection with especially having to like pull back a dreamboat and and with covid and everything happening so yeah can you just tell us a bit about that yeah i mean it was it was such a and it's and it's nice that we're in a spot now where we can actually discuss it with almost a, a leveled clear mind and 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 me not being so overstimulated because um it you do get overstimulated and it's extremely difficult to be in a situation and and see that at some point you can't help the your your person you can't help your loved one and and you really just have to be there and 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 share and try and try in some sense to share the burden of of what they may be feeling and and um and a big thing especially specifically about burns too they say that like alongside excruciating pain like your world and your anxiety and your energy is just it's flipped and you have Mm. to do that work simultaneously and it's a um, panic yeah 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 it's a it's a it's a it's a panic really and um and i think i think there is an aspect that really hurt thinking that in situations i always want my mom and i always she's the number one person she everything I learned about caretaking and caring for somebody and cooking, I learned from her and, and, and she learned from her mom. But because we are in a very delicate situation where, um, though she knows of my queerness, isn't fully accepting of it, we couldn't, you know, I couldn't get that, um, that treatment and, and, and my partner couldn't get that, that help. Um, and it was a barrier and it was something that we couldn't, get and 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 there is an immense amount of grief for for what you lack and for what um what you're not given the opportunity to even obtain i think and um and i think it pushes it pushes um it pushed us together even more um and it and it made communication even stronger and it, and it made just transparency even more and and um 
and yeah it's extremely difficult it's extremely difficult to see and also a side note um being having a situation like this and and especially with covid happening and and the civil rights movement that's happening and being exposed to the medical industry and and seeing a lot of things you realize like oh man there's so much fucked up things happening. There's so much like there's there's a tub of burn cream that 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 you have to use an excessive amount and it's like $700 without Holy insurance. Shit. And so it makes me think like gosh, how do people obtain resources to heal? Yeah, and they don't a lot of right, the times. They just right, don't. They don't. And 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 having um where do people how are where do people get help and or feel witnessed or feel like they're listened to and 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 we're both very empathetic people and and we're very attached to to those feelings of the world and and that what people carry and so i feel like we were also carrying that when when seeing that because you know when you're in like a really shitty situation and you're just like you know things could be worse we saw that things were clearly worse for a lot of other people and and it and and it puts things into perspective and and you know it adds another kind of hurt and pain to your process you felt your pain and the pain of the human condition right now right right yeah i mean here's the thing burn cream should never cost seven hundred dollars it should never be do you you know what i mean do you have seven hundred dollars no well good luck suffering through your excruciating pain and realizing that and i can really relate to you in this way without you know getting too political not because i don't want to get political just because if i do we we won't stop (laughs) we'll talk for three hours five hours you know but um it is painful and i i've been feeling that same experience too you know my dad passed away a couple years ago and he had been living just surviving off of social security and food stamps and Mm -hmm. had been told that uh, if he lost his grant for his chemo he would just have to die so I'm you know very aware of the importance of that and in seeing in this crisis particularly with coronavirus happening and seeing how many people are you know just like okay so you spent four weeks in the hospital and you have a hole in your heart now well good luck here's a two million dollar hospital bill uh, right. and, and and stuff like that but see and and what you're talking about like your partner like having to pay $700 for burn cream and you when it hits I think here's the thing when when we live in a way that we have to live kind of to get through the day but unfortunately it detaches us from our empathetic selves where we have to mm-hmm. just be like wow bad things happen to other people and that's so sad right mm-hmm. because if we deeply had that empathy towards everyone whose situation was so bad every day you know Mm -hmm. in a hundred percent you almost wouldn't be able to get out of bed like so i understand why people are unempathetic sometimes because it's almost like you have to be or you can't live right 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 it's debilitating it's debilitating but we all need more of it to it you know but yes what my point is i guess is that when you really do when you are really touched by how brutalizing the healthcare system is and how fucked up it is and mm-hmm. how when something bad happens to you if you're not rich uh right. or you know worse if you're actually if you're poor you know or mm-hmm. if you're in, in any number of such unemployed or any number of situations that happen to folks um you're fucked and that's yeah. and that's grief when you realize that that happens to your fellow people in your country or in your world. Like it is, a, it's it's heartbreaking for real. Yeah, it's fucked up. And then you look and see that like not a lot of people seem to care that that happens. And right, it's, not it's a lot of painful. people. It, it's extremely painful, and it's funny because I 
I actually think of of you and since we did talk last week it made me think and you brought up your dad and that was another aspect that I thought of I thought about you and how you probably have that constant reminder especially during COVID and yeah. I I can't imagine how triggering that is for people that have had the loss of a loved one or had to deal with the tragedy of a loved one or deal with an accident of a loved one and have the constant reminder of how shitty the situation was and is and the lack of empathy or just of, of anger and it's funny because I I had this um I had this uh thought yesterday because I try not to I try to stay clear from the news to an extent where I'm not getting sucked in for hours and hours at totally. a time but I try to know the gist of what's been happening in the recent events and um and it's really big because in the trans community there was a there was an attack on on three very well-known trans people and yeah. the, just the lack of empathy that happened there but then yesterday I saw that there was an incident that happened with a black man in on Maui and how his death like he was found hanging from his front porch and and there's been no Horrible. news coverage and because I feel so connected to Maui and because I had lived there I was just I was angered because there were so many similarities in his stories that I felt like I had experienced myself with with um, not the native or indigenous people there, but more so the white people that had land there and in Maui. you lived off of there on Maui. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, I had that same thought that you had, like, how are you not so angry where you're not sleeping at night? How is yeah. nobody else? How is nobody as pissed off as I am? And I just I was just like, well, because it's debilitating. Yeah, clearly like it's and, and I see why people don't even want to like get near it in yeah. some sense it's hard i think it's a i think what we need to do as a society if i may it's just just my one person's opinion but like yeah combine go halfway right like we, we know that we can't we have to all live right we have to function and live and do our thing and enjoy our lives but i think that we have to move at least 50 percent further <laughs> empathy wise you know what I mean and I think empathy is really key right and it's finding a real balance between understanding that like our time is short and it is okay to spend time enjoying the life you have but Mm -hmm. then also just like really feeling like you know that's a thing and like I guess it just really it did trigger me when you're talking about the $700 burn cream because it's like Mm -hmm. It goes so much further. It's like the lack of being able to really understand what those things feel like for folks. What it understand, what it really feels like to be a black person in America and see mm-hmm. news stories all the time about people found hanging. What it right. really feels like to go to the do- to not go to the doctor even though you, you feel like you have a lump in your breast because you can't afford it. Like to to just even spend thirty seconds a day really fucking thinking about what that feels like. It. I think that can change the course of how we actually do fucking business in this well, world. Well, I think what you're talking about, you know, it's there's many people that have compassion and empathy for their families, right? For themselves if somebody and their family's sick, but you're talking about a more universal compassion for for people that you don't know, that you don't see. And it's that to like, still have that too is a very powerful thing. Yeah, it's like feeling it in your... It's like reading a news headline and letting it go in and out of your brain and observing that that is unfair is one thing, but that is just... Mm-hmm. It's surface. It's right here, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we stop... We all stop there. Not, you know, myself included. We all stop there often. But, like, mm-hmm. we have to... 
get a little bit into Dirtier. the global well we're talking about <laughs> grief yeah into yeah. what it, what grief feels like for other people a right? lot of people yeah. do not want uh, not a lot of people everyone they a, a lot of people do not want to feel grief or or they don't want to feel pain because it comes with this guilt it now yes. reconstructs how you are seeing the entirety of yourself and your life and, and your upbringing and your roots and your heritage. And it makes it seem as though you now have to claim um, responsibility for all of it. And, and the person yeah. and, and, and a person gets very overwhelmed by it. And so it's, it's easier to denounce it or to just, you know, post a hashtag or something than to actually get nitty gritty about it. And it's funny because I discussed this a lot with... Um, with anybody who would with anybody who would listen <laughs> about about how um uh actually I we I just had this conversation with my partner is having when you live specifically uh living on Maui or living on any native land or on indigenous land or anything like that that was colonized and not being of that um that culture or of the of that blood mm. and and taking up space on that land I we've we both have come to realize that you have there there's a certain uh bit of delusion that you have to be in you have to be self-deluded in a way mm-hmm. to continue living in in um in this paradise that is that is kind of laced with so much tragedy and colonization and blood and 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 lack of of preservation and lack of sovereignty and and um and I almost get angry at like the folks that, you know, dear friends of mine that are still on the island. And I'm just like, you guys don't realize that's not your land. And I get like right. so angry, like mad like a crab. And I'm just like, and then you realize that there's also a fatigue in that. I don't know if there's a yes. term for it, but there's a fatigue in, in, in like being so angry that other people aren't as angry as you or totally. wanting to move in the sense of urgency that you want to move in. And, totally. and, and I, a leftist I know, fatigue. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just kidding. I said it's a leftist, it's called leftist yeah. fatigue. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, I think it's called compassion fatigue. Yeah. yeah, this, 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 this compassion fatigue, leftist fatigue, it's just tired as hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. and, and, and I try not to, and then you end up becoming this, like, you know, to everyone else, this bitter person who's just like mad at the fact that, yes. you know, that, that you had to leave or something like that. But I, I left situations on in places that I worked or and in on lands that I've worked on that were indigenous and native because I felt like I couldn't feed myself and feed the land right and and feed its people so if I'm feeling sick I'm now just taking its resources I'm now just I'm not even giving anything at this point and I feel like a lot of people go with that intention. I feel like a lot of people travel to India and travel to Nepal and travel to right. these impoverished or, you know, native lands that have fought so hard. You know, like native people uh, and, and, and have fought to be beach, to just be on the beach and cruising. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, did we necessarily fight for that? But we're all out here on your land cruising for a bruising. Totally. And, if that makes any sense and so and so it makes me feel like i need to really like scream at the people that aren't of the land to be like you better be doing work if you're totally. here 
And your work is gonna look a lot different than native people's work, you know? It's gonna almost look a lot more. They can sit, they can be on the beach, they can they can right. cruise all day if they want, but you're here on this native sacred land, you should be doing something to for your for the space that you're taking up. Right. Well I think that there's um I think one of the really important things to consider, and I've been considering this a lot myself, particularly mm-hmm. in the past six months, um, about when you do go somewhere or you do like something from a certain culture, you know, I've been thinking in my own, in terms of my own person of like, you know, appreciating and loving black music and culture, Mm -hmm. but like, what do Mm -hmm. I give back? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like you're saying the same thing about being on the indigenous land in Hawaii. Like it's not about not ever going to Hawaii, but like, what are you, what in turn are you giving back? Right. So like, it's just about, what I'm hearing you saying when I I feel like I can connect in that is about like not just taking, right? Like I think we're conditioned a lot to just take. Right. Definitely as right. white people we're con- conditioned to just right. take. So I think like the really focusing on if we do, you know, take beauty and enjoy resources from a certain place or a certain culture, mm-hmm. like be sure to keep it in your fucking brain box to like to give back. Right, right, right. Like what is your contribution for extraction? What, right. what exactly yes. because that's exactly what we're doing totally absolutely yeah. so I want to talk a little bit about too when you were talking about being caring for your partner now and being in the situation mm-hmm. where your partner has burns and you know the kind of crossroads of that with you know your mom being a nurturer and having taught you to be a nurturer but not being able to really get that from her during this point because she doesn't approve of your queerness fully right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it just occurred to me you're saying that and mom I'm I'm curious to just hear your opinion on this too being that you know we are mother daughter and um I think we're conditioned to think with our parents in an ideal situation that you receive unconditional love and it can always feel like such a spur and such like a a jagged edge I think when you feel like it becomes conditional in some way Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. that what do you think about that I mean like being queer and having your mother not fully accept you, does it feel like then the love becomes conditional? Yeah, it's it's funny because I realized that um, that that's one of the things that I've realized I've had to unlearn is is uh, the the conditioned love and realizing that um, a lot of that went into our childhoods. A lot of that went into my childhood. That that. This unyielding love, it's never going to end. It's never going to, you know, it's always going to be there and it's always going to be abundant. But it is going to be railed in uh, at certain points because there are conditions to it, even if they're subtle or, or micro in some sense. And, um, and um, I mean, I don't know if there's like a clinical term for it, Bobby, but I just, I just know, I just know that it's like, um, it's weird. It's, it's, it's. And I told my mom because at a certain point I said, because we're always talking, we're always, you know, I'll go and see her and stuff. But yeah. at a certain point, I, I was just like, mom, this isn't really healthy for me. I can't. Mm. I love you deeply and dearly. And the same way I know you love me, but I can't continue coming here and acting as if like, you know, I have to do a yeah. lot to not, I have to drop a lot at, at your door and, and you don't have to do that with me. And... um 
and it's it's extremely difficult and and it is one of those things where our intersection of it is food because a lot of the things that you know uh west indian mom is always going to cook for the household and we and she's always going to send us food and and so even without acknowledging you know your queerness and whatnot she is still trying to give you nourishment and and still cares in some in some way even if it hurts on your end but um but yeah we it's 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 difficult it's a mind fuck it really is mind fuck it's very hard to wrap your mind around well my only comment to it would be right now is that i think that relationships are a process so there's some hope in that mm-hmm. and i believe it's an interchange there sometimes there is the process doesn't shift anything because there's a rigidity and a closed-mindedness and for different reasons but you know Basically, when people love each other, there's a give and take, and it's an ongoing process, and people change and shift, and so that's, I don't have a technical term for it, but that's what comes up in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. A cherry isn't just a cherry. When it comes to tart cherries, the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry variety is the cherry with more. They're available year-round, dried, frozen, canned, juice, and concentrate. U.S. Montmorency tart cherries are also one of America's superfruit, which means they're good for you. Tart cherries contain many antioxidants and beneficial phytonutrients, including anthocyanins, the pigments that give tart cherries their bright red color. And don't forget about flavor, U.S. Montmorency's unique sour-sweet profile make them an excellent addition to yogurt, oatmeal, salads, trail mix, and of course, a classic cherry pie. Learn more about the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry at choosecherries.com. So Jasmine, kind of towards the end of each of these episodes, we ask uh, our guests what if they could have told themselves that something at the beginning of this process, uh, advice to get through a difficult situation, whatever it may be. And for you, it sounds like, you know, I know that the situation with your partner and uh, the fire was really intense and that it's like drained you a lot personally. So what would what would your advice to yourself be at the beginning of this a couple weeks ago when you were first embarking on this before any, you know, and if you could right. go back and tell yourself Oh my gosh, it feels like we were just asking each other those questions yesterday too. Uh, I really feel like I would tell myself, like, bitch, hold on. <laughs> like, yeah. It's gonna, and, and remember yeah. to breathe. Uh, that's a big aspect of myself mm. because I'm somebody that I would do everything in one inhale and I would try to get it all done. And I, and I realize in, in when you're put in certain situations, like how we're put in or anything, um, it it will take your breath away and you have to keep your breath really strong it's it's spiritually right. yeah, yeah. physically and physically and spiritually and um i would just i feel like i would just remind myself to keep my breath really strong and mm. for myself and for my partner and for whatever else we were feeling and whatever else was kind of coming towards us because i see now that that's what we were hanging on to it was just our breath and and mm-hmm. and our exhale the breath keeps you grounded it keeps you in this moment and often with panic we're way ahead we're in many moments and we really need to be in this moment so it brings Mm -hmm. the breath brings you back 
Totally. What kind of things have you been making for your partner? Like, have you been cooking for them uh, to to offer some healing vibes during the time? Are they able to eat kind of normally? Or yeah, I mean, both of us. The first, where we are just now getting an appetite back, and I feel like it came like full fledged. Anything that's like around us, we've been yeah. eating. So I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy that my partner is actually in the kitchen cooking, being like, "I'm nice. gonna cook. I'm. We're gonna slowly and and so." We've been having a lot of bone broths, nice. a lot, a lot of bone broths, just because it's something that is palatable at the moment and we can still kind of sip it throughout any sort of um, sway of our day if, mm. you know, cause things can mm-hmm. be intense and if, and if they're changing bandages and, and, and you know, there's different um, levels and, and bone broth has really been helping us. And, mm. um, and uh, they made a re- oh, it's so crazy. <laughs> they actually made this sauce that was insane, and it was made with a little bit of beef bone marrow and like chicken fat and like mm. lemon juice. And it was like a pan sauce from a roast, and we put it over like roasted Brussels sprouts. <gasps> and so it feels like we're just getting an appetite back for you know the the little things and food that really bring us a lot of pleasure. But honestly, in the midst of it. It was it was just like if you could get a banana for some potassium and if you could get water, that's all yeah. I care about right now. We just yeah. need to have as much water in, in our bodies as possible. Totally. And I'm definitely that. I feel like I when I become a mom, it, I'm going to be like that too. Like, it, just get your water in. Get your water yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, Jasmine, it was so nice to talk to you. And uh, yeah, I'm just so glad that like, you know, I feel like sometimes you just make these connections and they... You, they do endure and you do touch base with, with folks throughout the years just because there was something special there and you're, you're a very special human and I'm really glad we got a chance to connect. Oh, I- Again, I'm so I'm so I'm so stoked that we that we that we're able to see something so special that we're able to see it through. Totally. And I'm just so happy to to meet you, Miss Bobby. I want to I feel um, like you should have like a master class or something. I know. <laughs> Bobby, you're the best. Everybody I, loves life is Bobby. the master I'm, class. <laughs> oh, that's a really a amazing pleasure. quote, Bobby. Life is the master class. Jasmine, is there any anything that you'd like to tell uh, our listeners about how they can kind of follow what you're doing and connect with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dreamboat Cafe runs predominantly on Instagram, and though we are taking a break, um, we have a GoFundMe up just to keep things going, and that's okay. also on our Instagram, and it's just right. at Dreamboat Cafe. Cool. And um, you'll, you, if those are all. That's where all of our updates are at, and okay. and all of our thoughts as well nice. <laughs> about the world. Awesome. Well, I hope when Dreamboat gets back up and running, and guys, please go ahead and and donate to that GoFundMe. We definitely will. Um, right we would love to be able to uh, get this sounds of the things that you make and eat and cook I'm like I just want some like plantains and some delicious right. rice and, like, just some that fried sounds, woo, that sounds so fucking good right now like I'm I'm so hungry for, I know I know I am too I am too but I could eat fried but you guys go feed yourselves I yeah. know <laughs> Thank it was you really guys nice so much. to talk to you and we're sending a lot of love and well wishes to your partner and hoping that they get better absolutely i'll send it their way heal. i'll send it their way yeah being burned is a really intense thing and it was interesting we were talking about it being you know mom you mentioned panic and fright like you know tra- the trauma from an accident also mm-hmm. i think just like briefly to note like it shakes your perception of your just general safety in the world right you're like oh shit like 
you know, again, with me, we always hear that things happen to other people, but when something like that happens to you, it's like a real, I don't know, yeah. it's like a real shake-up. It's like life takes you as like a grr, and that's, yeah. that takes a lot to unwind. And it requires from. a lot of grounding and soothing, so I wish mm-hmm. you, you both that. Lots I of grounding and soothing. It. I take it. Yeah. It was nice to talk to you, Jasmine. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Yes, so, so soon. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for Processing. We realize that sharing these types of deeply intimate stories on air is a very personal decision. We began this project as a way to connect our listeners through shared experiences and storytelling. We hope that processing can be a platform for sharing, learning, and healing. We appreciate our guests' willingness to be vulnerable and value nothing more than making both our guests and listeners' experiences with our show positive and progressive. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or writing in a listener letter, please email processing at heritageradionetwork.org. Please follow us at processing underscore podcast on Instagram. Processing is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.